The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Headline from CNBC, everybody's favorite business network. Remember, this is the same network that decided to host one of the GOP primary debates and have John Harwood and the rest of the staff just destroying these people with garbage. So much so that when they got inundated with their social media, they had to fly back with long faces and just gut punches to the stomach because they sucked that bad at the debate. Yeah, CNBC tweeted this out. It would take 100 years for the average employee to earn what their CEO makes in a year. And then you follow it up with everybody's favorite Somali Islamic representative of Minnesota, the one who married her brother, the one who used campaign funds to pay her lawyer, the one who filed taxes, married filing jointly with her ex-husband, yeah, Ilhan Omar. She's the one who tweeted this out. Walmart CEO salary last year, $23,618,233. A Walmart workers' median pay last year, $21,952. The issue isn't that these employees aren't working hard enough. It's that our system doesn't value workers, and it's a moral outrage. Um, Jeff Bezos' salary last year was like, what, a gazillion? He's worth a lot, maybe even on top of his salary. Net worth, assets, what have you. An Amazon delivery driver eh, gets a medium pay about, what, 10 bucks an hour? This is like comparing diamonds to oranges and is equally as stupid as Ilan Omar's communist workers tweet. You know, what's the transient nature of many of these who are employed at that workers level? They might have other aspirations themselves. They might have other interests. They may use this job as a temporary means to an end. And the company has to continually hire for these positions almost daily. And the cost of training, the cost of lack of productivity to bring these new hires on, that hits the company pretty hard. But the company benefits just as well as the employee benefits because, as I've said before, it's a symbiotic relationship. The company benefits from the labor required to meet their vision. And the employee benefits from the pay for their time and their contribution to their tenure, which, you know, like I said, many times is pretty short in those positions. Do companies take advantage of this? Oh, heck yeah, more than most. I mean, do companies make you try to work as many hours as possible? Yeah, if they can get you to do it. Do companies uh, not elevate as they should? Elevate the wrong people? Well, yeah, they do that. Maybe they elevate people very slowly. Maybe somebody should have been elevated a long time ago and never were. Yeah, that happens. But it's their company. And do employees also take advantage of their role? Not always providing the productivity and attentiveness that can negatively reflect on the brand of the company? How about some of the customer service reps that are out there just completely shunning the customer, disrespecting the customer? Maybe, and that reflects bad on the brand. That loses sales. That makes the company go down. Maybe they're just not produ producing as they should. Maybe they're hanging out online, you know, checking out websites and, uh, you know, just totally blowing off work. That happens too. No one is, you know, no one is without sin here. No one can cast the first stone. But like I always say, capitalism is a perfect system. It's we as broken, flawed, sinful people who corrupt it. Yeah, is somebody going to get greedy? Yeah, that's one of the deadly sins. If they had followed that advice from biblical scripture, they probably wouldn't engage in those activities. But many don't because we're sinful, broken people. No one's perfect. 
and people are going to be greedy. People are going to use up resources more than they should. People are going to be wasteful. People are going to take advantage of people. But capitalism is the only system that can rise above our flawed sinfulness and succeed. It's the only system that can break through and provide resources and items and necessities to the world on a level that no, no one's ever seen. I go back to that Boris Yeltsin meeting. When Boris Yeltsin left the Soviet Union, came over to the United States, went through a grocery store in Texas, he was blown away. Back in Soviet Union, they were in line waiting for items to be divvied out by their government. They had long lines, and they didn't have the products that can meet the needs of those long lines. It was a bottleneck. Some of the products, they were waiting so long to divvy them out, they went bad, they spoiled, they were gone. Here, Boris Yeltsin is blown away because he sees the things that his people are yearning for and they're asking for, and he sees it in different styles, in different competing products. He sees the shelves completely packed, everything meeting the need. Because centralized government doesn't work. You know, when, when they're over there clamoring for I want blue jeans and they're watching Dallas and they're fixated on the wealth of the TV show Dallas that broke the barriers down to get the Soviet Union to look the way it did. That's what they're learning. That's what they're yearning for. The people want to drive a car of their choice and not be divvied out a white sedan by the government. The people want to buy the type of house that they want to buy. Maybe they want to be like those idiot millennials and buy a little 40 foot, 40 square foot house on wheels that they can drive and park in somebody's yard illegally. I don't know, but you know what? They have the ability to do that. Not in the Soviet Union. You are given your house. You are given your car. And maybe the time that you actually receive it is so long that you've had to take public transit. Notice everything here that we're talking about. Government-run schools, government-run health care, free housing, these are all things that the leftists are wanting. And it's what the Soviet Union had. It's pure communism. I mean, so on the other hand, capitalism, perfect system, flawed individuals, muck it up. But capitalism still succeeds regardless of that. On the other hand, socialism, communism, totalitarianism takes the role of sinful, flawed people and installs them as the arbiter of your natural rights. They get to make the decisions for you. They decide what rights shall be given to you. And then their corruption engulfs their leadership, leading to greed, gluttony, envy, pride, and all the other deadly sins. And then to consolidate power and maintain control, that requires eliminating some dissidents, you know, cracking a few eggs. Got to get rid of some people here. Some problematic people might get in the way and mess up what we got going on. This is why it's a system that should be rejected every time it's proposed. Rights are given by our creator. A document that shields those from tyranny should always be revered. And Ilhan Omar and the squad, AOC, and her idiotic ramblings, all supported by communist groups, which the Blaze uncovered, a communist uh, Cuban communist dissident group is backing these people, um, that's what they want. That's what they want to promote. And we'll get into that in just a moment. So are we in agreement that Ilan Omar's understanding of economics is about as sound as her familial marriages and campaign funds management? I mean, going back to the old, the whole concept, you know, I guess businesses are in the, in the, in the private sector to, what, exists to give you a job? No. They didn't build a company so that they could specifically go, we just got to hire a bunch of people and give them a good job. They have a vision. They have a product or service. They have something that they invested capital into, which is their own money, their own assets, and they decided, I want to achieve a dream. And if that dream allows expansion and growth, and it succeeds, well, so be it. 
And it's at that point where they go, man, we need to hire some people so that we can make this dream happen. And so that's where the symbiotic relationship goes because they put the, they put the call out there. Hey, we need some people because we want to do this. We want to get to this level. Some people step up and go, hey, I'll take the job. At that point, it's them that are providing their, their labor and their time to the business, but they don't have to. They can go somewhere else. They can make their own business. The goal of someone like Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the goal of these idiots to go out there and say, you know what? This, these people were hired by this company, and now it's those people that should demand the company to equalize their pay to the level of a CEO. <laughs> you know, last time I checked, the warehouse stocking guy isn't flying to eight different locations in the course of a day. He isn't getting the telephone calls at midnight, at 2 a.m. He's not getting the budgets coming through that somebody has to make huge decisions that affect multiple locations with thousands of jobs. Now, this guy shows up, clocks in, does his job. Now, there's honor in that. I don't take anything away from that, but there is also, you know, the great prophet Sean Puffy Combs said, more money, more problems, right? So the more money that you make, more problems come with it typically. But the communist, like Ilhan Omar, like Bernie Sanders, Ariana Presley, Elizabeth Warren, what they're trying to do is play on the emotions of the populist. They want you to be outraged by the man. Well, the man has shifted. The man used to be the government. Government used to be the man. Police, uh, fire and rescue, uh, politicians used to be the man. Well, now they're shifting the man to somebody who owns a business and making them like the evil man. So they're trying to ignite people who have been in situations where they felt unfairly uh, exploited by their business by their company they work for, trying to get them to rise up and demand workers unite so that we can get equal pay. That You know, you're paid on your merit. You're paid on the abilities that you can provide. And again, some people do cross the line and exploit these things. But at the same time, you have the opportunity to go somewhere else. So just keep all of that in mind. When you see these people demanding these things, that's what they did in the Soviet Union. The workers united. The government is the one who benefited. The companies didn't benefit. The companies were there to provide the services that people needed, but they weren't efficient because they were government run. And it's always going to be that way. Government doesn't run anything well at all, ever. This portion of the program is sponsored by Cat Coolers. So rugged, it changes everything. They keep ice cold for up to seven days. Made in the United States, customizable, Four different colors, white, black, yellow, even camouflage. Look, if you're going out on the lake doing some fishing, maybe you're going camping with the kids, maybe you're in the Boy Scouts. Maybe you want to take the cooler out on the job site for those people that work with you. This thing will keep your items cool for hours. A cat cooler will be your new best friend. Keep your food and drink fresher, colder, longer. Go to catcoolers.com. Use the promo code ADRIAN catcoolers.com use the promo code adrian and you will pick up an amazing gibraltar-esque sturdy rugged cooler that will keep your items cold for hours so apparently elizabeth warren the lady with the plan for everything she's going to be the one to have government run all of health care i mean not that they didn't get it right the first time under obamacare now they've got to fix it again. Joe Biden's out there saying, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. <laughs> this is exactly what they said the first go around. How do these idiots think they can go break stuff, turn around, and say they can fix it? So this idiot, Elizabeth Warren, who is basically going to be the nominee, Beto is already out. <laughs> he called it quits. He couldn't even get into 2020. His, his road to 2020 ended in 2019. Kamala Harris is leaking like a sieve, closing offices left and right. Soon she'll be out too. It's, I think 
Nothing was more amazing. I don't know which one was more fun to watch. To watch Beto O'Rourke just flame out, you know, go all out in a blaze of glory. He's out there with, I'm going to take your guns away. Hell yeah, we're taking your guns. Oh, by the way, we're also going to take that tax exemption because your church doesn't want to marry homosexuals. Oh, we're going to go down the list of clean energy. We're going to take it all. Well, then he flamed out. And then you got Kamala Harris over there like a leaking tire, just closing this office, closing that office, closing this one. That was the puncture of the Tulsi Gabbard nail in the tire right there in the sidewall. There ain't no fixing that one. Just a matter of time. But Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha, chief running lie, got a plan for everything. She's the most unauthentic, unlikable person. She's got another video out where she's running to... Come here, boy. Come here, boy. Come here, little poochie. To this dog, this gigantic dog. She's trying to do this cute little Instagram video, and it's just seriously robotic and just unauthentic. And she's got a plan now. She rolled it out <laughs> to, to a stunning, insane... I don't even know. I don't even know what to describe of it because it's insane what she thinks she can do. So first off... Her plan is going to have enforcement. It's going to have super-duper enforcement. And built right into the plan is super-duper enforcement. No more, you know, you assign two IRS agents to try to keep up with the whole thing. Nope. We put it right into the cost. We're going to get all super-duper with the enforcement. That's the kind of plan because she's got a super-duper plan. I've got a plan, and my plan is super-duper. And it's going to be... And a really good plan that only the CEOs pay. What's in the plan? I, it, it's super. And there's a little bit of duper in there, too. It's super duper. So she's going to get her super duper plan with super duper enforcement. Nothing like the power of the government, the power of force, the only industry in the world that has the ability to impose lethal violent force upon you if you do not comply. Let's have them run the whole thing and let them have super-duper enforcement to these CEOs who aren't paying their workers the amount of money that they should be paid by, you know, because the stocking shelf guy should be paid for the same guy who's flying all over the world checking out his uh, different components and different units out there, different stores and locations and warehouses and manufacturing shops. So... She has a plan. Let's, li- let's read this plan. Today, this is Elizabeth Warren. I am releasing my plan to pay for Medicare for all. Here's the headline. My plan won't raise taxes one penny on the middle class families. In fact, we'll return about $11 trillion to the American people. We're just going to pull that right out of the old sphincter. You get some money, you get some money, you get some money. $11 trillion. That's bigger than the biggest tax cut in our history. Yeah, it is, because it's just some random number you pulled out of your ass. Here's how. Healthcare costs are rising and crushing families, and a serious diagnosis can financially ruin a middle-class family, even if they have insurance. We let private insurance and drug companies profit from the pain. Enough! We need a system that reflects our values. The best plan is a Medicare for all. The only plan that gives everyone in America full coverage with the freedom to see any doctor with no premiums, no co-pays, no deductibles. You walk in and you get it all fixed. (laughs) How do the doctors get paid? I don't know. (laughs) So getting sick doesn't mean you go broke. No restrictions, no surprises, no more bills. Medicare for all finally brings the true choice to the healthcare system. The choice to see your doctor you want to get the prescriptions you need, pick the job, or start the small business you want without worrying about all the health insurance. Where's it all going to come from? You don't have to worry about it. My Medicare for All plan would end the stranglehold of health costs on American families. It would return a whopping $11 trillion to families who will never pay for another premium or medical bill. It would be one of the greatest federal expansions of middle-class wealth in history. <laughs> Let's do the math. <laughs> I can't keep trying to fake her voice. All backed up by independent experts and economists. First thing we're going to do is rein in the waste, inefficiency, and corporate profiteering. 
by insurance companies and drug companies. Yeah, we're going to force those drug companies to lower their prices on drugs. So research and development will just die out and they'll just have to sell below the market value. And we'll bring the bring down out of control cost. Instead, we're going to spend more on care itself. And thanks to getting rid of all the waste in the system, we can offer top of the line care to all 3 million or 30 331 million people in the U.S. for less than what we pay for if we do nothing to fix our broken system now. How is it paid for? Well, if you're not in the top 1% Wall Street or big corporations, congratulations! You don't pay a penny more and you're fully covered. To cover the costs, we start by taking the money from that employers are currently paying to insurance companies and have them pay it to Medicare instead. We cover the remaining 11 trillion largely with big taxes on big corporations, Wall Street and the top 1% and enforcing the tax laws we have now. So basically everything that you're paying and that your insurance is also being paid for by the employer is going to go to Medicare for all. And then they're going to tax the uh, big corporations, which the big corporations actually do their tax calculations in advance uh, with their teams of tax accountants and uh Staff CPAs, they forecast what they're going to have to pay in taxes so that at the end of the year, it's all covered. And guess what? They include it in the price. They include it in the retail price. So they're not ever paying the taxes. You are. So you're paying thrice. How about that? You're paying. Your employer's going to pay, which takes it out of what they pay for you. And then you're also going to pay through your taxes and the big corporations are going to pay and they're going to charge you for their share of the taxes in whatever price or whatever item you buy. <laughs> it's amazing. You'll find my full details here at paying for Medicare for all achieving Medicare for all. Isn't going to be easy, but it's a race to fight for American families in the coming weeks. I will also release a transition plan. I will start lowering, lowering health care costs and increasing coverage as soon as I'm sworn in for president. Okay. She has this little exchange. <laughs> Let's just listen. Who work in private insurance and all the people even here in Des Moines who work in private health right. insurance? Where do they go and work when private insurance is So if you've had a chance to read the plan, you'll see no one gets left behind. Uh, some of the people currently working in health insurance will work in other parts of insurance and life insurance and auto insurance and car insurance. Some will work for Medicaid. And there is a five-year transition support for everyone. Because what this is about is how we strengthen America's middle class and how we make sure that in transitions, no one gets left behind. It's right there in the plan and it's fully paid for. So she's gonna transition Healthcare companies. So what's going to happen to the people that work for healthcare companies? Many of them are middle class individuals. That that's their job. Oh well, you know we're gonna we're gonna take those people from Optima and Cigna, and we're going and maybe Blue Cross Blue Shield, and we're gonna shift them over to Aflac. We're gonna shift them over to Geico. We're gonna. She's like, well, we could just move them. They'll they'll get jobs in other insurance company industries like auto insurance and uh, maybe Aflac. You know, maybe maybe they can get the job of the duck. They can walk around and go, ah, flack! You know, or maybe they'll get the job at Geico. They could be the gecko. They could be the gecko in, a fu in the furry suit. Now, actually, Beto can, now that Beto is off the campaign trail. He can be the furry that he's always wanted to be. So Beto is a furry out there as a, as a furry Geico. But this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She's going to just transition these people's jobs because, you know, that's what they wanted to do. They really wanted to work for Geico, or they really wanted to work for uh, Aflac. She's going to move them to these jobs in her transition period. The government doesn't have a role in that. It's not the government's job to shut down industry, take it over, cause the taxes to get funneled into it, and then take your job because you worked in that industry and slide it over to somewhere else. You know what kind of government does that? Communist Russia. You know what kind of government does that? The kind of government that Bernie thinks these people want. Listen to this. My ideas are not far left. They are the ideas that the American people want. Bernie thinks they all want this. And maybe he's right. There's a study we're going to read in just a moment that is scary. Back in just a moment. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade. 
Broadcast. Yeah, the progressives on the left running on every sort of grab, whether it's free college, uh, free health care, universal basic income, free housing is what they're pushing. It all sounds like communism, doesn't it? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. It all sounds like communism. Well, maybe because it kind of is. This is actually from The Blaze. Look at this. Cuban Democratic Socialist. AOC back group is actually a communist imposter. <laughs> Seriously, a group of Cuban Democratic Socialists have a message for their American counterparts. You are either secret communist or you are profoundly ignorant. <laughs> Unbelievable. In an open letter, nine Democratic Socialists on the island blasted the Democratic Socialist of America, the U.S. group that counts Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan among its members for supporting the island's communist government. During their annual convention in August in Atlanta, the Democratic Socialist of America formally approved a resolution declaring itself in solidarity with the Cuban socialist struggle. That's where that guy got up there and was like, uh, uh, point of personal privilege, uh, point of personal privilege, uh, uh, use the he, she, it, don't use gender uh, language. Yeah, those idiots. Well, yeah, they declared themselves in solidarity with the Cuban socialist struggle and opposing acts of imperialist aggression against the island. However, as Cuban Democratic Socialists point out, the DSA is contradicting itself by supporting the kind of military dictatorship that they oppose. The support for Castroism revealed in its Resolution 62 of the recent convention of the Democratic Socialists of the United States held in Atlanta, Georgia, can only be explained by two reasons. Either the American Socialist Democrats do not know the Cuban reality, or they are not Socialist or Democratic. The nine Cubans added, whoever stands in solidarity with this regime doesn't know it, doesn't know what is happening in Cuba, or is an imposter as Castroism. Several Cuban Democratic Socialists who have been facing the anti-popular, totalitarian, and anti-socialist policies of Castroism for decades, for which some, have, some of us have suffered repression and exile, reject any kind of solidarity with the Castro regime, and we do not share the defense of it carried out in a convention for supposed and poorly informed U.S. Democratic Socialists. No, <laughs> that's not what they have in Europe either. The letter by the Cuban Democratic Socialists may surprise uh, Americans who have been misled into believing that democratic socialism is the kind of system commonly found in the northern parts of Europe. Contrary to what progressive groups and reporters such as MSC, uh, MSNBC's Stephanie Rule and Univision's Jorge Ramos have argued, U.S. democratic socialists are not the equivalent of Scandinavian socialist Democrats. As numerous economists in the former Danish prime minister have pointed out, the so-called Nordic model is fundamentally capitalist with higher taxes to fund large welfare states. Conversely, groups like DSA are openly advocating for an end to free markets, which would mean a transition to an economy that more closely resembles that of countries like Cuba and Venezuela. And that's what we're fighting against with this new election. So get ready, guys. Prominent Democratic Socialists are not exactly coy about their plans. DSA member Megan Day wrote last year, I am a staff writer at the socialist magazine Jacobin and a member of DSA. And here's the truth. In the long run, Democratic Socialists want to end capitalism. Meanwhile, during a 2018 radio interview, the group's executive director openly called for an elimination of private property and nationalizing government ownership of a major industry and several major industries, actually. As the founding editor of the socialist magazines Jacobin and DSA's vice chairman pointed out, American Democratic Socialists want a militant labor movement and a mass socialist presence strengthened by the accumulated victories, looking to not merely tame, but overcome capitalism. This is consistent with Ocasio-Cortez's recent call for public ownership of private property during a rally while she was endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. American Democratic Socialists are clear about the goals. Even socialists in communist Cuba are calling them out as closet communist phonies. So, 
Yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. And it's it's kind of frightening that this is where we've gone with our culture. You can blame this on academia all day. You can blame this on the fact that the teachers are activists. You can blame it on the fact that we have a culture run by Hollywood that is pushing for this as well. You can also blame it on the removal of religion. People have decided to replace God with themselves. Some people were never even introduced to the concept of Christianity or any other religious faith. They're brought up in a secular, public-funded school. And what they do is they assume, well, something has to be the authority. Something is going to fill the void every time. And when you have that void left open and you have them un, you know, unaware and never exposed to the possibility that the right to freedom, the right to uh, worship whatever God you want to worship, the right to a free and open press, regardless if they're going to feed you with fake BS, the right to assemble and protest, the right to petition the government, the right to bear arms, the right to have your day in court with due process, with not having the police come raid your house with illegal search and seizure. All of these things are natural rights given to us by our creator. But if you don't know who the creator is or you don't believe in one, then you don't believe in the concept of natural rights. You believe the concept that rights are divvied out by the government. And then you start to look at the government as a collection of individuals put together so that we can live in harmony. Everybody's going to chip in to the big pot. Everybody's going to throw their school supplies into the big bin. So when somebody needs a crayon, there's a crayon. And that, and never mind the fact that some people aren't contributing, they're just taking. And they don't understand this concept does not work. Government cannot handle the ability to pass out whatever needs are needed to be passed out to a certain individual. Government cannot effectively manage that type of bottleneck. So you have to realize that's their way of thinking. They've been brought up in this in school, and it goes back to public schools. That's why there's an uh, NEA. That's why there's a Department of Education, which Betsy DeVos, listen to Betsy DeVos. She kind of put this out there, and she makes our case. Government has never made anything better or cheaper more effective or more efficient. And nowhere is that more true than in education. And that's your secretary of education making our case. Not to say that she wouldn't. She's actually a conservative. But what I'm saying is she understands the department she oversees is something that is really in fundamental creation used against capitalism, used against freedom. It's there to build up the mindset of collectivization, the mindset of communing with your citizens, the mindset of what does commune lead to? Communism. And so when we're up on this next election, we have to realize Ilhan Omar is out there talking about how we should reject America because and capitalism because of the fact that we're imperialist which I don't even understand that we don't own any empires out there. <laughs> we don't have, we didn't go into Syria and take it over. We didn't go into Iraq and take it over. We've always given it back. We've only aided the people who didn't appreciate it many times. And, but when you have idiots like this, you have this person from Code Pink. I swear this is a real tweet, tweet by Ariel Gold. Note, when Iranians chant death to America, death to Israel, they're not calling for the death of people, but empire and imperialism. Uh, no, nah, pretty sure Iran is calling for the death of all of us, <laughs> calling for the death of America as a country, the death of its citizens. I'm sure ISIS was out there talking about the death of America because they were talking about the death of the Yazidis, the death of the Kurds, the death of the Christians in Syria. They were beheading people left and right. So 
you have to realize that their ultimate goal, even though they're going to say, ah, no, nah, that's not what we really mean. No, we don't really mean communism. We mean democratic socialism. We don't really mean we want to take your guns away. Right, Beto? We don't mean, hell yeah, we're coming for your AR-15. We just, you know, we just want extra background checks. No, everything they are saying is complete crap. They are on a bigger road, and we better recognize that road. And we better call it for what it is. It is straight communism. So the road of communism is being paved by academia, and people are buying it up. It's amazing the stories that can dovetail into that worldview. This is from the UK Daily Mail. Without people fighting that war, idiots like this kid wouldn't be free to be who they want. Viewers blasted, that's what they said, the viewers were blasting an Instagram influencer, 22 years old, who claimed learning about World War II would hit millennials' mental health. Fans were shocked by Apprentice contestants' ignorance of war against Nazis. Viewers took to him on Twitter to slam the education system following the episode. But this morning, Freddie Bentley argued pupils should learn less about World War II. It's a hard situation, World War II. I don't want anyone to think about it, to think I'm being disrespectful, he said. But I remember learning it as a child, and I was like, oh my God, this is so intense. Yeah, nothing like trying to learn about the real genocide <laughs> of what happened with, uh, with the Nazis. Then you've got this little nugget. Freedom Outpost is the name of the, uh, the publication. The Eradication of Private Property Rights. More and more people are awakening to the reality of the UN Agenda 21. And here, for truth's sake, we are trying to show the best to our ability to you exactly what Agenda 21 is. It's a very complex subject that involves many different agendas. In fact, they all revolve around securing a one-world government headed by the United Nations. Now, this is what they have <laughs> from the UN's uh, Agenda 21 it says the UN believes that land ownership contributes to social injustice. In other words, it's unfair that some people own vast amounts of land while others own little. In order to rectify this, they're going to control all of the land, tax you for owning it, and redistribute the resources in order to achieve social equality. So you hear Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about how private property should be eliminated. I mean, you hear all these different things from Elizabeth Warren and Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar. So education is a really big factor in all of this. But we have to realize elections can turn things to a degree, but we really need to focus on things like the culture. And there is a culture war happening. People don't see it. Ricky Gervais, or Ricky Gervais, also uh, you know Dave Chappelle's comedy special. How about Louis C.K.? who's coming back now, and people are giving him utter crap because of the fact that he has decided to take his life experiences and then move it on up. Here's Ricky Gervais. He said, guys, I think I'm going to have to leave Twitter. Someone with a pink cartoon unicorn as their AVI, which is their profile pic, just called me a boomer. I'm strong, but not that strong. Well, he has struck back on the fact that he's not allowed to say certain things because of political correctness. And he is making it a point to show how ridiculous it is. The New York times goes on with Louis CK on his first tour. Since admitting sexual misconduct, Louis CK is not offering audiences any reckoning with his damage that he has done. He turned his reputation into a me too era. He turned his new reputation into in the me too era into a springboard for jokes. Writes our com uh, comedy columnist, Jason Zinoman. And the, the responses are just brutal. They're just lashing back because they're going, it's comedy. He's a comedian. He's writing on his life experiences. And Kanye West is out there doing the Jesus is King album, doing Sunday worship services in arenas where thousands of people are giving their lives to the Lord. And he's not going to play any of his old music anymore. There is a culture war happening, a backlash. The pendulum is swinging. So... Just be aware of that. Now, we got to get into a Jeffrey Epstein update. I wish there was like some music or, you know, maybe you can have, uh, I don't even know. You can have confetti pop. Jeffrey Epstein update, update, update. Well, Project Veritas has released a video. 
And I'm going to play the full video. In podcasting, in radio, they typically say, hey, don't play the full video. Break it up in nuggets, and then you can kind of talk about it, and people can digest it. My thing is, I don't know how long this video is going to stay online. And I think you need to hear every bit of the details in the full seven minutes. So I'm going to play this video from Project Veritas, who were uncovering the Epstein cover-up. Amy Rohrbach, she is an ABC correspondent, was going to break a story three years ago on Jeffrey Epstein, but was squashed by ABC, and she's livid about it. Just listen to this. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail. And now it's all coming out. And it's like these new revelations. And I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh, my God. We it was um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago saying like on like. We, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And I had it all three years ago. Would you read your right hand, please? Yes. Do you solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you? Yes, I do. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. It was unbelievable what we had. Clinton, we had everything. Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. That's tape leaked to us by our latest network insider. This brave insider works at ABC News. ABC News anchorwoman Amy Robach is talking to her producer on a hot mic. She says she had the Jeffrey Epstein story three years ago, and her bosses at ABC News spiked it. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton, we had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail and now it's all coming out and it's like these new revelations and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my God, we, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Our insider told us this tape was recorded earlier this year in late August, a day or so after this NPR report came out sharply criticizing ABC News for not broadcasting the Robach Jufre interview years ago. ABC has episodically covered the scandal, yet the interview was never broadcast, and Jufre says she was never told why. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago saying, like, aunt, like, we, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And I had it all three years ago. Well, then I got a little concerned about why I couldn't get on. On the leaked insider tape, Amy Robach says she had the Jeffrey Epstein story three years prior, but her exclusive interview was shelved. Robach says in the leaked tape there was a lot of pressure from Buckingham Palace. According to NPR, the famed lawyer Alan Dershowitz also pressured the network to kill the story. Shortly before the interview was due to air, Harvard Emeritus Law Professor Alan Dershowitz called the network. He was also one of Epstein's lead defense attorneys. We wonder if the story was killed to protect the rich and powerful. It seems few were worried about protecting the women who may have been Jeffrey Epstein's victims. Remember, Epstein was still a free man three years ago. And just to be clear, the interview has still not aired. 
What is ABC News waiting for, or who are they still protecting? She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, It was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. Robach also has no doubt about what happened to Epstein when he finally was arrested and jailed. So do I think he was killed? A hundred percent. Yes, I do. Because you want he made his whole living blackmailing people. Yeah. There were a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. I knew immediately. <clears throat> and they made it seem as though he made that suicide attempt two weeks earlier, but his lawyers claimed that he was roughed up by his cellmate around the neck. That was all like to plant the seed. And then that's why I really believe it. Like really believe it. The last of the leaked tape has Robach talking about alleged Epstein conspirator Ghislaine Maxwell and how she should be very careful. She's got to have left evidence like, in the unexplained. Well, Ghislaine Maxwell, who I had all sorts of stuff on her too. I love every. I'm like, it's so funny to hear everyone say her name now because I'm like, oh my God, like I had all the, and everyone's like, who's that? Who cares? I kept getting that. Who cares? Um, she knows everything. She knows, she knows, she should, she should be careful. Well, she was his, like, she went out and recruited all of these girls. She should watch her back. Because if she goes, I mean, I'd have like security guards all around me. The brave insider who leaked this tape to us does not know who at ABC News spiked the story. But someone at ABC does. Our question, who killed the Epstein story at ABC News and why? Help us find out. James Goldston is the president of ABC News. What did he know? And when did he know it? Here's the landline number for ABC News President Goldston and his Twitter account. If you're an insider at ABC News or any other major media outlet or big tech company and you have seen corruption or bias, contact us at projectveritas.com slash brave. This confirms everything that we've ever said about Jeffrey Epstein, Clinton's involvement, Prince, uh, Prince Andrew's involvement, and ABC's response was really amazing. Listen to this. This is first Amy Robach's response. As a journalist, as the Epstein story continued to unfold last summer, I was caught in a private moment of frustration. I was upset that an important interview that I had conducted with Virginia Roberts didn't air because we could not obtain uh, sufficient corroborating evidence to meet ABC's editorial standards about her allegations. My comments about Prince Andrew and her allegation that said that uh, had seen Bill Clinton on Epstein's private island were in reference to what Virginia Roberts said in an interview in 2015. I was referencing her allegations. ABC News steps in. At the time, not all of our reporting met our standards to air, but we have never stopped investigating the story. Standards to air. Is that like Brett Kavanaugh? (laughs) Is that like Brett Kavanaugh? Standards to air where you have just people coming up making rape allegations? Never mind the fact that who is employed by ABC? George Stephanopoulos. Oh, yeah, he went to a party that Jeffrey Epstein threw with Prince Andrew, where, quote, everyone at the table was sucking up to the alleged predator prince. Amazing. So this pedophile throws this big party for Andrew, and George Stephanopoulos is there, Clinton's war room buddy. I'm I'm telling you, this is why you don't vote blue, because what they want to do is they want to take your rights away. They want to economically destroy you. They want you a slave to the state while they enjoy the luxuries of life, while they indulge themselves in all types of insidious behavior because they feel they're untouchable. And then they go and make amusement parks for underage females like Jeffrey Epstein's island. This is what's behind the 
spying into Donald Trump and the soft coup by the deep state to take him out because they know what's on the other side of this. They know Syria is a boondoggle and it was a way to plunder resources and take over a nation and exploit it for their own personal gain. Same thing with Epstein Island. Interestingly, right now we've got three perfect storms. You've got John Durham looking into the corruption, into the spying, into Donald Trump's presidency. You've got Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn's lawyer, out there digging into the FBI fraudulent 302s that got the FISA warrant so that they could spy. And you've got Project Veritas out there laying the groundwork, pulling up things on Jeffrey Epstein, bringing it to light of day. It's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo 50 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to mojo50.com. Every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parler, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.